Hi, and welcome to Book Club, a Sales Enablement Pro podcast. I'm Olivia Fuller. Sales enablement is a constantly evolving space, and we're here to help professionals stay up to date on the latest trends and best practices so they can be more effective in their jobs. The sales landscape is ever-changing, and in many ways, that means that the knowledge and skills that salespeople need to be successful also change over time. But while the specific tools or methodologies that salespeople use may evolve, the core behaviors and habits that lead to success remain timeless. Stephen Schiffman is the author of over 70 books on sales best practices, including the 25 sales habits of highly successful salespeople and cold calling techniques that really work. I'm so excited to have Stephen here to share with us so much of his knowledge and wisdom. So with that, Stephen, I'd love if you could just take a second and introduce yourself to our audience. Well, first, I want to thank you for inviting me. I appreciate that. You know, I've been doing this for nearly 35 years now, and I've met with or I've trained with 900,000 salespeople in 9,000 different corporations, 43 different countries. So I, it, it always thrills me when I get an opportunity to talk to people more directly. It's not just a lecture. It really is a style and a feeling about how people can do a better job, be more empowered about their jobs and win because that's what they talk about. So I'm really glad to be here today. Thank you. Fantastic. Well, you know, as you mentioned, you have just a, a wealth of knowledge and you've been doing this for decades. Forever, and, you know, forever. You can say that. It's forever. <laughs> yeah, but you really are, I think, one of, you know, the, the key thought leaders in the sales space. And so what I really wanted to start to talk to you about is, you know, a lot of your books mention um, how some of the old school ways of thinking about sales and some of the old traditional sales tactics were no longer working. And I think this is a theme that continuously you've talked about throughout your books and those old tactics continue to evolve. And so I just love to hear from you. What are some of the key challenges that you really think uh, reps are, are facing today that they have been facing over your career? And how have you seen some of those challenges continue to persist over time? The thing that, that, kill salespeople when I say it to them, whether it's in a lecture or a writer or training, is no one needs you. No one needs your product. And I'll tell you why I say that. Nobody ever gets this at first. Let, let's just pretend you're selling pencils, all right? You're going to go to someone who uses pencils. I mean, you don't go to someone who doesn't. You go to someone who does. So if you think about it, they have to have the pencil already. They have to have the product you're selling already. You wouldn't go there. You're not going to go to somebody who writes in chalk, let's say a ridiculous analogy, but you're not going to go to someone who doesn't use what you have. Therefore, if you follow this, they already have it. They're already using it. So you as a salesperson are an agent of change. That is, you have to get them to rethink what they're doing and buy from you. And most salespeople don't get that. They go, well, they really need this. No, they don't need you. They don't need your product because they're using it already, just not yours. And that perhaps is the biggest single difference that I can tell you about sales, whether it was 30 years ago, 10 years ago, today, same thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think what you mentioned there around, they don't need you. So what you need to do is then build trust. And I think that's something that mm -hmm. you talk a lot about in your books as well is, is really how to build that trust. And one of the things that you mentioned is uh, the importance of communication skills. So mm -hmm. I'd love to dig into that a little bit. What is your advice really around how salespeople can improve their communication with buyers and, and maybe what are some of the common pitfalls that you often see in how salespeople are communicating with buyers? The, the, the easiest thing that a salesperson can do is to listen. Now, he, having said that, everybody says that. There's no one who says you don't listen. Everybody says you gotta listen. The problem is if you don't ask the right question, the answer comes back, it's wrong. So you have to ask the right question. So what is the right question? Well, most salespeople go in and say, well, what do you need? They don't need anything. We've already established that. Instead, it's understanding what people do, how they do it, when they do it, where they do it, who they're doing it with, why they've chosen to do it that way, and then help them do it better. It's about helping people do what they do better. In other words, it's an improvement on what they're doing now. If you can't find that, if you can't say to someone, this particular product will help you do what you're doing better, you don't win because why would you buy it? Would you buy something that's less? You've got to buy something that's more. And in fact, every product virtually, no, I'll tell you every product is an improvement on the other precedent, the other product that was developed. So if you just look at the simplest thing and let's use a telephone. I remember telephones when you picked up the phone and asked the operator to get something. I remember phones you dialed. I remember phones of Princess phone. I remember phones that all of a sudden became wireless and hello, there we are. It's all an improvement on what we did before. I, I love that. And I think something that you mentioned there is, is helping your buyers solve problems. And mm -hmm. I, I think that's a term that also stood out to me in one of your books. I think you you uh, said that salespeople need to have the mindset of um, being professional problem solvers. Agent um, change, helping somebody get to where they were. But you see, the, the, the issue is if you're only selling yourself, that is in your mind, you're going to ask questions for you. That's all wrong. You've got to ask questions about them. But most people don't know how to create a conversation. You know, conversation is not that easy. So people start off and they go, well, what do you need? I don't need anything. Then where do they go with that? So you've got to have a question that really opens the exploration, opens the discussion that has some validity and doesn't sound, frankly, stupid. Yeah, absolutely. What are some of your best practices for, you know, coaching salespeople to come up with those questions? Uh, what are some ways that, you know, you've helped salespeople kind of overcome that hump? Well, uh, interesting enough, Olivia, unlike most people who do this stuff, I really give you a very specific, like, I'll tell you, here's what you say, not, hey, think about it. Let's all have a big group think. I've done that. Well, years ago, I would do that. But I've learned. And, and so, for example, what I teach people to do when they go into a sales meeting is to start out by saying, and literally, this is the scripting. Before we get started, would it just help if I tell you something about me and my company? Now, you go ahead and do it. You say, well, we've been in business for so long. We do this, we do this. Now watch, I'm just curious. How did you end up here? How did you end up buying that product? How did that happen? 
so that you understand the process that the person went through in buying what it is you have to sell. In other words, how did they get to that point? And the phrase that I like to use is, I'm just curious. How did you do this? I'm just curious. In fact, when you and I met, I asked you, gee, how did you end up here? How did this happen? And your story is a great story. So that's how you start. You don't start with, let me tell you about our product. Who cares? Who yeah. cares? Absolutely. I, I love that. The the curiosity aspect. That's mm -hmm. that's fantastic. Um, you know, I, I think something else that you've talked about in this uh, is kind of along those lines is, is really personalization and, and personalizing the plans for each unique buyer. And I think a lot of that comes from what we've been talking about around, around listening. But mm -hmm. I'd love to maybe hear a little bit more about uh, kind of the impact that personalization can have on a sales process. So in the deal, what is the difference that personalization can make? I'm so glad you asked that. I, I, because it is. It is not a rote process. Now, you know certain things about people you're going to go sell to. I mean, you, you have to know something. But he, he, I'll tell you something interesting about this is that everybody's different. Everybody has their own reasons for doing things. Nobody just on a Tuesday morning calls you up with nothing to do. It doesn't happen that way. So to me, the most important thing is understanding what are the questions we want to ask and what are the answers we need. And, and here's the key. And I think this is probably the most important thing I can tell you. I never submit a proposal ever for anything. And I never teach it. Don't submit a proposal. What I do instead is submit a recommendation. This is what I'm thinking about. Here are the key elements. And here's the price, by the way, but here are the key elements. Tell me what your thinking is about that recommendation. Now, recommendation, see, proposal is somebody sees it. Soon somebody hears about a proposal, they go price. That's all that matters. Well, price. I don't want the price to be an issue. I want them to say, you know, I like this. This makes sense. There's the key word. This makes sense. And it makes sense because it's a recommendation that we can work through together. Mm -hmm. Different than a proposal that says, slap it down. Here it is, buy it or not. Absolutely. Building kind of that partnership mm -hmm. um, with the buyer so that you know, you're kind of guiding them along in the process of, of thinking, you know, almost that your recommendations are, are also their ideas in a way. Is, but it is, is. That kind of the but, approach? But exactly right. If, if I come in with a recommendation and say to you, listen, I've thought this through and here's what I'm recommending we do. Now that allows the person to say, yes, no, maybe, gee, I like that. I don't like, and all of a sudden I can take my little pen and say, you know what? Let's cross this out. Let's put this instead. Let's move this to here. Let's change this pricing. Let's do that. All of a sudden there's a discussion. It's not a fight. It's not mm -hmm. winning. It's a discussion where we both come away satisfied. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that can go a long way in kind of building a longer term relationship rather than just a, a short term transactional relationship. And I'd actually love to maybe hear a little bit more about that. Um, you know, how can salespeople kind of overcome maybe the challenge or, or find a better balance between having a long term mindset versus just thinking about the short term deal? I was working with uh, one of my coaching clients last night, interesting enough. And I said to him, I said, two people, I said, listen, let's look at this one account and they have a dollar value. And I said, but isn't there the potential for more business? Well, yeah. I said, so why are we putting that in there? 
in fact, 50%, you have a 50% chance of getting more business from an existing account versus 20% of getting new business. So you always have to look at the bigger picture. You have to say to yourself, I'm dealing with this one account. The potential is there. And the reason that I say that is if you don't think that way, you don't go after it again. You, you just say, well, I've got a sale. Not anybody. I look, anybody can make a sale. If I take the best example I can use at New York City subways, you go on the subway and there was a man there years ago, probably still there, who simply stands there with a little wallet and he stands there and he says, want to buy, want to buy, want to buy, want to buy, want to buy. That's all he does. He shows this little wallet up. He goes, want to buy, want to buy, want to buy. At the end of the day, somebody buys. Of course, somebody's going to buy. In fact, his chauffeur grows always picks him up and takes him home because he's figured out that eventually 42 million people walk past him. Eventually, someone's going to buy. So anybody can make a sale. That's not the issue. It's getting the repeat sale that's the issue. Yeah. Oh, I, I love that example. That really puts it into perspective as well. It, it building the relationship to get the the long term business and not just, uh, you know, eventually someone will say yes, if I'm persistent enough. So that's, that's mm -hmm. fantastic advice. Um, you know, something else that you you've talked about in your books is the need to really stay up to date on the industry trends and thinking kind of at a macro level perspective as well. Um, what are some of your best practices for staying up to date on, on kind of what's happening in the industry and, and thinking about, you know, how that might impact a buyer and how their needs might change over time? You've got to, again, you got to go back to the buyer and you've got to listen to what they're saying. You got to listen to what the problem they're having, not what you have. I mean, I can tell you all my problems. It's irrelevant. What you really want to know is what are they doing? What, what have they changed? And the issue, which is kind of interesting, I think that salespeople bring with them what's going on in the industry. I think it's a crime when people do not meet with salespeople. And I'll tell you why. Forget the sale. Just leave the sale alone. The salesperson is going to one, two, three, four, 100 different accounts. And they get information all the time because people talk to them. And so they can actually disseminate more information than almost anybody. Most people are in their offices all day working their day without knowing what the other company is doing. And so a salesperson really transmits that. The salesperson is great. They have tremendous information, but people don't use that properly. I refuse not to meet with anybody. I, won't, I will meet with anybody because they're going to give me information. They're going to tell me something that I don't know. And that's really key to the whole insemination, the whole... Uh, beehive effect of a salesperson. Fantastic. Well, Stephen, I just have one final question for you. So, you know, we've talked so much about best practices for salespeople, but, you know, one person that really does play a massive role in sales success is the sales manager. And I'd love to learn maybe a little bit of your advice for how sales managers can really be a great liaison between the field and sales leadership and partner with both to make sure that uh, best practices are translated from strategy into action in the field. It's a great question. I mean, really, and it's, it's a deeper question than we have time to really go into. It's really a big question. Let, let me give you just a thought, though. 
I find, and this is going to sound terrible, just terrible, I'm going to say, I find that most sales managers, corporate sales managers, are really enforcers. They're not teachers. In other words, they don't take the time to learn how the process works, how to make a call, how to talk to somebody, what, what, what really is a prospect. And because they don't learn that, they can't teach it to the salespeople. Now, ultimately, the salesperson is the one that we have to count on. They're the one that carries the ball, so to speak. So one of the things that I see is that most sales managers, and, and I see it with my own books, my books do not sell or not bought by sales managers. They're bought by salespeople. They're also by sales leaders, but not the managers. And we've always said that. I said to my publisher a hundred times, don't write a book for sales managers, which doesn't get bought, which is true. So sales managers who are really the mainstream of this really have to become much more aware of what their representatives are doing, how they work, what it is they're trying to accomplish and, and how to speak to them so they get the results that they need. Everybody, after all, is working on the same team, but sales is not a team sport. That's a real contradiction for most people. Build a good sales team, but it's not a sales sport, not a sales. It really is not a team sport. It really is individual. Absolutely. That, that's fantastic advice. The sales manager is, is so critical, but that also requires, you know, being willing to learn and, and being open to um, to being able to partner with both the sales leader and the field. So that is fantastic advice. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for, for taking the time to share all of your wisdom with our audience. I, I learned so much in this conversation. And I, again, just can't thank you enough for taking the time. Olivia, I want to just thank you because what you're doing is something that most people don't do. You're giving out real solid information. You're helping people who I hate to say, but are in the trenches every day because they've got to do every day and they need that advice. They need that help. And, and you're conveying that in a way I think that they understand. And that to me is admirable beyond belief. Oh, well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And to our audience, thank you so much for listening. We absolutely recommend checking out all of Stephen's books. We'll include a link to a few of those here in the episode description. And thanks for listening. For more insights, tips, and expertise from sales enablement leaders, visit salesenablement.pro. And if there's something you'd like to share or a topic that you'd like to learn more about, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you.